Uh, This morning's scripture reading comes from John 10, verses 1 through 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is God's word. Well, good morning. Um, I invite you to pray with me in a moment. Anybody need batteries? Batteries? No? Okay. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for your word this morning to us. Uh, We ask that you would uh, use your word by your spirit to renew our minds and our hearts and to restore us to a real, vibrant, abundant relationship with you through your son, Jesus. Uh, We ask this in his name. Amen. Um, so it's the last Sunday of the year, 52nd, right? Uh, at the end of the year, a lot of people will take time to just, you know, assess, looking back at, at 2018, the last year, uh, what happened, um, what mistakes did I make, what failures did I have, uh, all that stuff, right? Or what did I overcommit to or undercommit to? Or, and we, we assess and we, we evaluate. And, and some people, you know, usually we use that to look ahead, okay, well, 2019, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this better. I'm going to, you know, and, and we, we start planning and we prepare. Hopefully, we'll have more success in the new year. Some might change the budget. Um, and so, I mean, as we're in this reflective mood, I thought, man, that is the perfect occasion, right, for us to reflect on um, uh, a Bible passage that, that really causes every single one of us to assess where we are in relationship, in relation to Jesus. Um, this is for everybody. So, you know, me, as, as lead pastor of Redemption Church, where am I in relation to Jesus? First of all, personally, also, you know, in terms of uh, his vision, his view of ministry and how it's done and all, how, where am I? And, and, and where do you stand in relation to Jesus respect to your callings in this life, with what he's given you to manage, to steward. Where do you stand in relationship to Jesus? Do you know him? Have you heard of him ever? Are you rejecting him? Are you ignoring him? Where do you stand presently in relation to Jesus? Where do all of us stand? And uh, a, Bible, a Bible passage that really brings us out and gets to the heart of the question uh, comes from John chapter 10. And it, it, John chapter 10 is, is a famous 
Bible passage. It's famous for being known uh, to be about the, the good shepherd, right? But I don't want to focus on that part. Not to ignore that part, but just I'm not, I don't want to focus on it. I want us to focus on the first part, which is the third I am saying of Jesus. How many, does anybody know how many I am sayings he has? It's just a random seven. Wow, there's a lot of people that knew that. Okay, cool. You guys, you guys are good. Um, so this is the third out of the seven, right? And he says, I am the door. Third I am saying. You know, we walk through doors every day. Um, this morning, I'll bet some of you walk through either your front door, or your back door, your garage door, um, you know, in order to get here. Everybody had to come through at least one door or that sliding door slash gate, you know, in order to get into this room, right? So we're, we're very familiar with doors. Um, so if Jesus is saying, I am a door, I am the door, uh, what is he saying that he's the doorway to? Um, now for the sermon outline this morning um, that you'll see in a moment or you have printed in your bulletins, I'm indebted to uh, James Montgomery Boyce. Uh, he was a minister. He's uh, now with the Lord. Um, but for this uh, sermon outline, um, he just inspired me uh, as I was reading a, an old sermon of his. First, Jesus says, I'm the door for salvation. Um, second, Jesus says, I'm the door for safety. And third, Jesus says, I'm the door for satisfaction. Jesus is the door. So I'm the door for salvation. The context of John 10, it follows the story of a blind man uh, in John 9, where, where Jesus actually gave this blind man sight. And um, this story reveals that it was um, in the scene, you know, there are multiple characters, as most of these stories go. Right, in any good story, there's always like, who's the good guy, who's the villain, who's the bad, you know, who's the, all the all, you're trying to figure all that out. So in this one, in this story, John 9, it's the Pharisees and this blind man, and they kind of are picking on this blind man a little bit. And it's interesting because these, these Pharisees are the ones that have eyes that can see, right? And this blind man's the one who can't see. And yet what, what John 9 reveals to us is that it's actually the blind man who can see, and it's the Pharisees who are blind because spiritually... They don't believe. Spiritually, the blind man does. And, and he actually has his, his eyesight restored. Um, and so John 10 is, is building, continuing off this thought, which is why in verse 6, John writes, uh, this figure of speech Jesus used with them. He says, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So that they and thus language in verse 6 is referring to the Pharisees who, who were blind. Jesus uses the imagery of the door uh, and, 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 and of being the shepherd to talk about how he is the one who manages and cares for his sheep. And the religious leaders of the day did not. They, were, they, were, they had rejected uh, care, stewardship of God's people. And so let's look more, more closely at this figure of speech. Uh, in verse 9, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Uh, looking around this room, I mean, for the most part, I don't think there are many of us who are like farmers and have worked with sheep very, very often. I'm just going to take a guess here, right? A few people, okay. One. <laughs> um, I've been around sheep. Uh, my, my sister was an FFA, so there you go. But, um, 
So let me put this into perspective. Uh, the, the door that he's talking about isn't like the hinged you know, doors that we use, uh, that we're used to walking through. Uh, the kind of door that he's describing here is uh, kind of a, a small open space right to a sheep pen uh, where there's a, a circle of rocks that formed and they, they built this wall. And this wall was meant to protect the sheep from, from wolves and other such predators. Um, at, at nighttime, and and this this sheep pen though, right with the the circle of rocks, it didn't have a door to it, and so the shepherd would actually physically lie down across the entrance of the door, and you know to keep the the sheep inside of the pen, and to prevent any predators from attacking and getting into the sheep, right? Um, so by sleeping there, the shepherd became the door to the sheep. So that's the the visual picture that we're getting with this. Uh, that they, they should have understood. And the door teaches us a lot about Christianity, uh, a lot about Christian faith. Uh, there's only one door. Notice it's the door that he says. It's not a door, right? Jesus didn't say, I am a door, right? There are many doors that you can go through, right? No, just the door. <laughs> I'm the door. I'm it. Uh, so, so what he's saying here is there's only one way to salvation, um, in in the, um, the book of Acts, chapter 4, uh, we read, uh, uh, there's no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. An- another place in John's gospel, uh, Jesus says, um, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through, he says, me. Um, and so, so it's this idea that um, there's only one way to salvation. There aren't many doors or many entrances or many roads, uh, many different ways to heaven, just one door. And what we see here is, is Christianity is an exclusive religion. Um, Jesus even goes so far as to say that if anybody tries to go another way, a different way, uh, he calls them uh, a thief or a robber, right? So not a good thing if you're going a different way. And, and so we see Jesus as a door for salvation. Now, that's not going to be a popular message today, right? Um, in fact, I don't think it's ever been a popular message. Uh, when Christianity was born, when it was birthed onto the scene, um, it upset Rome because it pledged allegiance only to God, right? People were uh, not pledging ultimate allegiance to Caesar as Lord, but they, Christians could not do that. They, they, they worshiped God alone. And uh, our culture is probably less open to exclusive claims like this um, than, than, than Rome was. Um, you know, what's, what's true for me uh, isn't, true, is, isn't true for you, man. You know, what's, what's true for you isn't true for me, man. This is, you know, this is how it is. That's called relativism, okay? Um, and it, and it's, it's this idea that, that truth is just true for you uh, and, and not for me. It's, it's subjective. And... And that's a bunch of baloney, okay? Just bear with me. Uh, I love how C.S. Lewis, uh, he, he confronted this idea uh, back in his time, in his day, and he said this, and I'll read a quote from C.S. Lewis. He said, We all have some idea of right and wrong. From the time we're kids and as we attempt to grow up, we demand for justice. That's my sharpener, don't steal it. That's my girlfriend, don't flirt with her. That's my son, don't mess with him. That's my car, you better pay for ramming into it. That's my walking stick. Don't use it for firewood. 
That's my epitaph. Don't copy it. Right? Sometimes, inherently, we desire and crave for justice, right and wrong. Everyone says such things regardless of their social, economical, or physical status or stature. He says, whenever you find a man who says he doesn't believe in a real right and wrong, you find the same man going back on this a moment later. He will break his promise to you, but if you try breaking one to him, he'll come complaining, it's not fair, before you can say Jack Robinson, right? Um, or in other words, you know, say, if it's all true, it's true for you, true for me, um, let me have your wallet, <laughs> right? Give me your wallet, if you really think that, right? Because my truth says that's my wallet, right? There's a conflict there because there's right and wrong. So when you really push somebody on this, uh, they'll, they'll budge. And the, and the thing about Christianity is, it might be exclusive, right? It might say that Jesus is the only way. But as we're reading this, it's in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. If, it says, if anyone. So it might be exclusive, but it's a door that is open. And it's open to everyone, irregardless of economic or social or, or, or gender or age, any type of class or distinction that, we're, that we can conceive of in our minds. The door is open to everybody. Jesus is the door, the way. And he's opened the way of access to God the Father. Um, And the reason we need him and nobody else is because we're sinful and we need for Jesus to become our sin for us so we can receive his perfect record. Only Jesus can give us what we need to be free. So will you enter in through him? He's the door. Come to faith through him. It's funny how Jesus uses, um, you know, he compares entering the door, which is relatively easy, right? I mean, how hard is it to walk through a door? Like we just walked through a bunch of doors today, getting to here to church. Um, so so get, going through a door is easy. Um, but he compares that with trying to enter other ways, which are hard, which are difficult. So thieves and robbers, they have to they climb up over, you know, the, over the rocks into the, the sheep pen. Um, that's hard work. It's not legitimate either. But coming through Jesus is legitimate, and it's easy. Elsewhere in another gospel, he says, uh, My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's easy because Jesus bore the burden for you. It's the gospel message if you believe in Jesus. It's easy because Jesus actually lays down for you in your place and he becomes your protector. Go through Jesus and you have the way. And so I'm not just talking about when you die. I'm not just talking about fire insurance here. Um, I'm talking about right now for every single day of your life that you live and you have left to live. If you believe in Jesus, he becomes your salvation now uh, he, he covers your past, and he will care for your future, if you believe in Jesus. The guilt of sin is taken away by believing in him. Have you lived your life fearful, afraid, afraid of when you might die, afraid of death? Jesus can become your sin, take away your guilt by paying for it. The power of sin in your life, right? Constantly being faced with, with temptations that, that are besetting, letting sin have victory in your life each day. Jesus can give you power over your sin. Where sin starts to lose its grip. Do you want that? 
One day he promises to get rid of all sin and all evil for good. Do you want to experience a life like that? Enter through the door. That's what he's saying. So Jesus is the door for salvation. That's the first thing we learn here. Second, Jesus is the door for safety. So salvation, now safety. Second thing we learn is he promises safety for those who trust in him. Verse 9 continues. He says, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. It says this, and will go in and out and find pasture. It's this idea of, of being in a safe place where you can freely roam in and out without restriction, without the presence of danger because your shepherd is caring for you. Now, I don't know everybody's story in this room. I know some of your stories. Um, I don't know everybody's, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a guess, uh, like a guess that uh, not many of us were farmers, um, just one, uh, which I'm going to have questions after the service for you. Um, but uh, I don't know everybody's story. Uh, but I'm going to guess, though, that, that um, at least one person in this room uh, I, I would guess many more than one person. Somebody has experienced uh, a threat, a great threat to our life, a great threat to your safety, right? Where uh, maybe, maybe you've actually been held at gunpoint before. Maybe you've o- almost been in a car accident that should have ended your life. Um, I was once snowboarding, which, you know, it's like the winter season right now, so people are skiing and snowboarding and doing all that stuff all the time. I was once snowboarding uh, years ago, and I was with uh, my young cousin, and I was following him down the mountain, and he was really fast. He's a really good snowboarder. I was just trying to keep up. He ends up going off the face of the front of the mountain. And I go right after him because I was following my little cousin, and I'm like, oh, no. And I'd like, I could have bailed, but I'm like, but my little cousin, he's going down too, so I better follow him and try to help him or whatever. And then we're both in it, and we're both falling down the cliff together. <laughs> that was great. Uh, thankfully, at the bottom, there was uh, basically a soft pillow. It was a bunch of powder. It, it had snowed the night before, and so we didn't eat, meet instant death. Uh, instead, we just hit this soft, like, nine-foot pillow of, of powder, and we were fine, which we should have died, for sure. Um, our moms were terrified when we told them what happened um, and showed them which cliff it was, and we saw that cliff from the, you know, from the, the lodge, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, you fell off that? Like, you should be dead. So, um, which then they thought it was fable, but it wasn't. We, that's what happened. Um, all that to say, if you've ever been in danger before that, that is life-threatening, or if you've ever been permitted to suffer something that actually really did hurt you, really did injure you, and it's really hard to get over or recover from, um, and you weren't kept safe, you were made vulnerable, something happened that shouldn't have, well, when we hear these words, that might make you feel frustrated, right? Um, it's nice if you have a good story, like, oh, I survived a snowboarding accident, right? But what if it's not a good story? Uh, what if it's not a good outcome? How can we reconcile passages like this one when our reality does not match it, when it doesn't line up, right? When our personal experience doesn't line up with God being this protector, this safe keeper. Um, the answer to that question is, I say this carefully, but I say this truly. Um, you will always be protected and cared for in Jesus. You will always have safety in Jesus. Um, in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 to 39, uh, the Apostle Paul, he, he, he wrote this. He said, For I am sure 
that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Now Paul was confident about that, so sure that not even death could rip him away from the love of God in Christ. If we're in Jesus, we're in the safest place we can be. Now, that's easy to say, right, when we're in a relatively safe country, a relatively safe place right now. Um, But it's true no matter where you find yourself. If we're trusting in money or or comfort or possessions or position or power um, to help us feel secure, we're never going to find safety. Because all of those things can be taken from you. They can be robbed. They can be destroyed. Uh, you can suffer economical disparity. Uh, all, all these different ways that it can happen. Uh, one of my favorite books, actually. I remember, I remember trying to keep it so safe um, for three years. I said, you know, I'm going to box this thing up. I'm going to wrap it and do all this stuff just to protect my book. I don't want it to get damaged, right? I want to be able to read this again someday. I put it away for three years. At the end of that three years, guess what? The book was ruined, right? Some water moisture ended up getting inside the box and a bunch of mold, and it was all messed up, right? So you can't protect your books, okay? Nothing is safe. Um, But we're safe in Jesus. And so where are you looking? Where are you running for safety? Um, Are you trusting in something or or someone else other than God? Um, I want to warn you from continuing to live in that way if you are. Um, And I want to encourage you to find safety, find safe haven, find refuge in Jesus. And the God who promises is to give his sheep the ability to go freely in and out of pasture. Think of that imagery um, in your your mind of being able to safely roam, right, as one of God's little lambs, as God's sheep, in and out of pasture. It it should remind us of of that famous passage um, in the Bible it's, it's in the psalm, Psalm chapter 23. Uh, for a whole generation, it was like the, the funeral uh, song, right? Psalm 23 that was played at all kinds of funerals. Uh, because it's so comforting. This image of God as a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That one. And, and it, it says, um, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. For you are with me. Um, Sally Lloyd-Jones, she has a book, a children's book called Found. Um, good, really great little uh, summary of that for little ones. Um, and sh- she writes, uh, writes it in this way. Even though I walk through the dark, scary, lonely places, she says, I won't be afraid. I won't because my shepherd knows where I am. My shepherd knows me and knows where I am. So that's a comfort, a safety that no one can snatch from you. There's nowhere safer. So come through the door and find safety in Jesus. Finally, the third thing. Jesus says, I'm the door for satisfaction. He says, I'm the door for salvation. I'm the door for safety. I'm the door for satisfaction. To be satisfied. John 10, verse 10. says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So the kind of life that Jesus is offering is totally different from the kind of life uh, that everyone's used to living. Uh, when a kid's about to go to college, right, the parents will give the advice, 
find a really good career that's going to land you a great job, uh, give you uh, great money, uh, set you up for the best possible success that you can have, right? We want your future to be taken care of, right? That's the kind of foundation we tend to set up for our kids, which I'm not saying that that's a bad foundation at all. I'm, I'm just saying that's what we do, right? Um, but it, in Jesus, it's different than that, right? This, this concept of abundant living, abundant life. He, he's not just holding out life to us, um, but abundant life. That's a life that's different from the kind of life that we're born into uh, because Jesus is giving to us a relationship with himself and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. What's on offer to us is a restored relationship to the God that we have abandoned and forsaken. A restored relationship where he will no longer forsake us or abandon us. To the God who we can never know apart from Jesus, his one and only son. And that's who we get when we go through the door of Jesus. What is abundant life? Um, years, many years ago, I remember a Bible teacher telling me all about abundant life. He made it sound like Abundant life was like the best spiritual high you can ever have. He made it sound like basically you'll be floating on cloud nine if you just believe in Jesus, right? And it's like, what? Like, is that the abundant life that Jesus is talking about here? That's not what he's talking about. The kind of life he's talking about is the promise of eternal life rather than eternal death. Thieves and robbers, if you follow them, false teachers and the rest, their end and their way is death. Like all the prophets of old, like they all told, uh, these false teachers make everything about themselves. They don't care for God's people, but use God's people to make themselves great. Ezekiel 34, uh, the, the verse that we read, God's justice is crying out against those such teachers. That's what it's talking about when it says that he's going to take them away. Um, but they get fat off eating the sheep. And so, I mean, that's, that's a warning for anybody who wants to be in ministry, too, or is in ministry, or wants to be a leader of any kind spiritually. Um, it's a warning to be careful of why we enter ministry and what we want out of it. Is it to serve and sacrifice, or is it out of selfish gain? Um, so their way is death. But if you come to Jesus, you'll find life. He's talking about knowing God through Christ. He's talking about having friendship with God. Um, I doubt anybody remembers this, but the very first sermon of the year, anybody remember what that sermon was about? Oh, somebody remembers. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't even remember that. So, um, until, you know, thinking about this more. But uh, the very first sermon of the year was about friendship with God, friendship with one another. And so, I mean, it's very fitting to end the year now, right? 52nd Sunday. Let's talk about friendship with God again. <laughs> it's a great thing to talk about. Um, is the focus of, the, of this passage. You see, Jesus tells us in this illustration that he is the good shepherd who will lay down his life, his own life for his sheep. His own life. Jesus himself will become the door. Uh, he went all the way to the cross to be the door that gives you access to God if you come to him. It gives you life in God. In John 15, uh, Jesus told the disciples, he said, greater love has no one than this, and that one shed his blood for his sins. Uh, that, 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 that one gave himself up for his friends. Now all of this talk of the door, all the talk of the door would have gotten people's attention. Because Jesus is talking about this idea of substitution, of taking the place of another. 
He's talking about the shepherd actually taking the place of sheep, taking on the danger and the wrath and the, the, the danger that was coming their way. Through his substitutionary death on the cross, Jesus became a sacrificial lamb who stands in your place. Through faith in Jesus, you stand safe, you stand secure, and you can finally be satisfied. What could possibly be more satisfying? You know, all the things. What could be more satisfying than knowing that Jesus Christ has stood in your place, taken on the wrath of God for you, the penalty of sin for you, and endured all evil for you to keep you safe? What, what, I mean, what can possibly be better than that? More satisfying? What could be better than hearing that you're free because he was made to be sin in your place? That he was changed so you were freed. One of my favorite book series, um, it was written by J.K. Rowling. Some of you may know it. Harry, Harry Potter. Somebody say Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, it's great. It's a great series. Great. Excellent. Um, do you know how that series ends? It ends with Harry going off, marching to his own death to save the life of his own friends. Sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> My bad. I'm just, come on, it's been out for a while. I mean, that's all right. It doesn't ruin anything. Anyway, so I'll just stop there because there's still more to the story, of course. Um, but he, he dies to save the life of his friends, right? That makes it kind of this ultimate drama, this, this ultimate story, um, because it, it's imbued with so much purpose and so much power. It's, it's powerful because at the end of the day, this is true. That's why it hits us so hard and grips us. It's the kind of spouse that you want. It's the kind of friend that you want. Someone who will always be in your corner, always have your back, and would even be willing to die for you. That's the kind of person who Jesus is. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the door. Because he puts his own life on the line to protect and care for his sheep. He's not a hired hand. He's the true and better shepherd that Israel longed for and each one of us needs. Uh, powerful leaders of old in Israel's day, powerful leaders in our day, they all make promises that they can't keep. From health care to uh, making our country great again, they promise to give us satisfaction and fulfillment. And everywhere else we look, we try to find satisfaction and fulfillment. And we can't get it. We can't seem to find it. Only the true shepherd, Jesus, only the door, Jesus, can I don't know where you're looking for satisfaction. I know where I go. I know where I look. And I have to turn around and come back and run to Jesus. But where do you go? Which places do you go for satisfaction? Are you running to Jesus? Are you running through the door that he has provided? Through his death on the cross. Let's run this race together, finding ultimate satisfaction, abundant life in him. Father, I thank you that you've given us a door, a safe passage, um, a way for us to have everlasting relationship with you, everlasting delight in you through your son, Jesus, who is the door. And I pray, Father, that everyone listening 
would run through that door, would run to Jesus, and would believe in him and have abundant life now and forever. Help us, Father, to be satisfied in you. As we glorify you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.